Good morning and happy Resurrection Day. I realized last week was Easter, but it never hurts to be reminded that every Sunday when we gather with just a local body of believers that we're celebrating the resurrection again as, as a group. Not to say that we should not, cannot um, celebrate the resurrection every day of our lives because it is certainly the, the ultimate event in history, one that has uh, major impacts on everyone and certainly should uh, be a life-changing and, and memorable and commemorable event for all believers. This is the Collectibles Sunday School Bible Study uh, and continuing in the time of the social distancing. Um, today I want to take a look at John chapter 20 verse 24, starting in verse 24. But before we read the passage, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we, we thank you for the resurrection. God, just the deep, deep meaning and impact that it has on our lives, that we know that it, it followed just the cruel and brutal death of your son Jesus as he poured out his blood to cover our sins, to atone for our sins. And then just as he had told his followers that on the third day he would rise again and by your power he was raised from the dead, that we too can have that hope and assurance of a resurrection, but that it also established him as not only Savior but Lord of all creation, that He has ascended now to Your right hand and that He makes intercession for us. God, I just ask You to let that be the foremost point in our, in our minds, not just while we're looking at Scripture, but in everything that we do in our lives, that everything will be driven by serving and following our risen Lord, Jesus Christ, that our lives might reflect that, that our, our words and actions can somehow tell others of the greatest event in, in history. Bless our time today as we look in Your Word. God, I just pray that Your Holy Spirit will open our hearts and our minds that we might have an understanding of it, that we can see how we can apply these truths to our lives, that we might be better followers for Christ. It's in His name I pray. Amen. So as we continue kind of in the, in the, uh, the theme or subject of resurrection appearances, you, you may recall one that it actually happened a week later, the, the, the Sunday after the first Easter. John records it in chapter, 24, chapter 20, starting in verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with, with them when Jesus came. 
So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Place your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Many times you, you read of historical sermons, um, speeches, and, and things like that, that the speaker, preacher has given a, a title to the, to, the, to the sermon. And it, it, that started me kind of thinking about what, if I was going to title this Bible study which I rarely do, what would I, what title would I give to it? So you might, you might think about those things. That has no great bearing or, or um, impact, but I, I, I kind of came up with two, two sort of working titles. One would be, He Almost Missed Out, and the second one would be, He Got It Right. I'd be I'd be curious how what you would title this this passage. The 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 passage really breaks down in, into two parts or two scenes. The the first scene is verses twenty four and twenty five, and it's kind of the the setting, even the prelude, and then the the main scene is is second scene would be verses twenty six. Through 29. So verse 24 and, and, and 25 kind of get us ready for what's going to be the, the, the big scene starting there in verse 20, 26, which was one week later. It starts off with inter introducing us to, to some of the, the one in particular of the, the participants, Thomas, who was one of the twelve also called the, the twin uh, Didymus in, in, in the Greek. Not quite sure why he's called that. Did he have a twin brother? No one knows for sure. But the scene starts out kind of in the week between, the days between um, the first Easter, the, the Sunday after the, the, the crucifixion, where Jesus had had made several appearances to to Mary Magdalene. Remember, they 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 went to the garden tomb to to anoint his body to complete the work that that uh, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had hastily done on that that Friday afternoon before the 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 Sabbath began at 6 p.m. that that Friday, and many of the women went to anoint. His body, 
in a more complete fashion. And when they got there, the, the stone was rolled away. And then as they were, were leaving, returning to tell the disciples that the angel had told them that he was risen, still not fully believing, not um, comprehending what what the angel had said, and Jesus appeared to, to Mary Magdalene and to, to the other women. They, they ran back to tell the, the disciples, the, the eleven, of, of what had happened, what they had seen, and Peter and John ran to the tomb and, and saw it empty. Then later that afternoon, Jesus had appeared to Cleophas and, and the, uh, another disciple as they returned to, to a small village of Emmaus. And then that evening, on the first day, Jesus had appeared to, now we learn, ten of the disciples as they were behind locked doors. That, that, he, that was his final appearance that, that, that first Easter, that Sunday, late in the day. So they were having church that evening. And now here in verse 24, we find out that, that one of the disciples was missing. So Thomas, who was one of the 12, whom we have, we have met before in, in John's Gospel, um, you might remember in, in chapter 11, word has come to, to Jesus that his friend Lazarus of Bethany is, is ill, and Jesus tells the, the, the 12 then that, that they're going to go to Bethany, that, that Lazarus has, has died. He, he tells them that he's asleep, but that, that he's, he's going to see him. And they say, if he's asleep, why, what do we need to go for? And Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant uh, Lazarus was only sleeping. So after Jesus tells him that in John 11, 16, uh, we, we hear Thomas says, So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let's also go that we may die with him. So Thomas has been kind of uh, remembered as doubting Thomas, but um, probably more accurately, he was pessimistic Thomas or uh, uncertain Thomas or gloomy Thomas. He's been described as loyal and courageous. Here, there, back there in chapter 11, he was certainly courageous, but also a little bit gloomy or, or pessimistic. John also mentions him in, in chapter 14 in the part of the Upper Room Discourse where in, in, in verse 5, <clears throat> Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we go that way? Jesus had told them that earlier in chapter 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I, would I have told you that? that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself where I am you may also be. And you know the way to where I'm going. 
And then Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? So, so doubting Thomas may just be one, one way to, uh, to illustrate his, his uh, personality, that he, at times he seems courageous, other times he's kind of pessimistic and even gloomy. Uh, he, he certainly is loyal and willing to go with, with Jesus to the, uh, back to Bethany. So here sometime during the week, I'm thinking verses 24 and, 40 and, and 25 really give us sort of a summary of Monday through the following Sunday, the, next, the, the second Sunday, uh, the first Sunday after Resurrection Sunday that Thomas wasn't with them on that day. Where, where had he been? You know, this is maybe, maybe you could title this, he almost missed out or he did miss out that first week. Have, have you ever missed anything that you decided, I'm not going, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna sit this one out and then you find out you missed something really exciting or important. Um, no one has missed anything as exciting as and important as as Thomas did being away from the disciples that that first Sunday morning. So he's 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 spent the week hearing these these accounts, these stories about Jesus being raised from the dead. Verse 20 25 said, so the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Dr. Constable says that the text really indicates what they were saying or, or what this verse reflects is that they kept saying to him. This wasn't just Tuesday afternoon, oh Thomas, by the way, you missed Jesus. He, he's, he's risen from the dead. This was the next probably seven days every time they saw him. And, and, and by verse 26, it appears he's hanging out with him again, that they kept telling him. So you could conclude the second part of verse 25, he kept telling them, unless I see his, his hands, the mark of the nails, if I put my hand in his side, I'm never going to believe. You know, did you figure by Saturday, maybe his... Um, his response to them was was stronger and stronger and stronger. That he did the first time he hear it. Did he look at them and just kind of, kind of, you know, not necessarily roll his eyes, but just kind of be perplexed. Like, what has gotten into you, people? I knew you. We we followed Jesus for three years. And, and now here I'm, I'm, I'm away from you one day, maybe, maybe two days, maybe the Sabbath and, and Sunday that he doesn't spend with him. And it's like, what has happened to, to, to all of you? These, this has never happened. I, I saw Jesus. He wasn't at the, at the foot of the cross like John had been, but he clearly knows that he was nailed to the cross and that a, a, a soldier pierced his side 
with with the spear. So he he knows how he saw Jesus. He know he saw him on the way to the cross, beaten and whipped and bleeding, and the crown of thorns and all these things. And you know, for Lazarus to have been raised from the dead, who had just died of natural causes, without all this other uh, impact of brutality. Thomas was willing to accept that. He saw that, but it's just thinking he's, he's seen the way that Jesus died and thought there's just no way. Are they hallucinating? What, what, are, they, what are they doing? Why, why do they keep insisting on this? And so for this next week, they keep telling him. They kept saying over and over, we've seen him. Why won't you believe us? And Thomas is, is more and more emphatic on, unless I can just put my finger in the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will never believe. Never, never, never. I mean, that's, that's pretty, pretty strong. He, he's, he says, I'm not going to believe you. I don't care how often you tell me or what you do. So that's the, 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 the setting of what's about to happen in, in verse 26. So verse 26, eight days later, in, in those days they would count Sunday. They would count the first day with, you know, of the, the time period as long. We would say a week later, seven days later, but they're saying they, they would include the Easter Sunday, the original Easter Sunday, in their, in their counting of the, of the days. The NIV says a week later. Um, so, so we know these things happened. This event happened on the next Sunday. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. That the his is Jesus. All of Jesus' disciples, the, the eleven, are are inside, and Thomas is with with them. This this appearance is is going to be very similar to the to the to the first appearance to the to the ten. They're they're inside, maybe the upper room. They're inside. They've got the doors locked. They're they're still very much afraid of, of the, the authorities coming after them. The Feast of the Unleavened Bread is, is over now. The, the Jewish leaders don't have those events to, to maybe curtail some of their, um, their, their desires to find Jesus' disciples and get rid of them as well. The, the Jewish authorities certainly know that, that the stories of Jesus having been raised from the dead and appearing to disciples are, are certainly going all around the city, if not even extending out away from the city now that, that people are leaving Jerusalem after Passover and then the, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. So they're all together. They've got the doors locked for just for security, just to <clears throat> maybe give them some warning or protection. And as they're, they're, they're sitting there probably discussing 
all of the events, the, the appearances that Jesus made to Mary Magdalene and the other, other women to the to Cleopas and, and the other disciple on the road to Emmaus and then to the to the ten who were there. It seems seems kind of um, obvious, but what what else would they have talked about? What would you have talked about? If you had seen Jesus after he had been raised from the dead, after such a, a, a cruel and torturous death, and then then he he was resurrected and appeared to you they're sitting they're sitting around behind locked doors talking about it maybe even remembering how he had told them these things but they didn't they didn't believe it they're not expecting Jesus to appear again and 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 all of a sudden he came and stood among them he was there with them as he had been the the Sunday night before and he said, "Peace be with you." So that 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 greeting of of peace, we're gonna we're gonna look at that later. But it, it it seems to be directed to all of them. And then he turns to Thomas, and he said, "Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe." You can imagine that that all of the the eleven would be somewhat startled and surprised, but Thomas would have to be just just shocked out of out of his mind. All, they've been telling him for seven days that Jesus rose from the grave. He appeared to them, and and he is you know he had lived up to his his reputation and nickname of doubting Thomas that whole week and 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 probably was just as as gloomy as he had been when he said we might as well go with him to Bethany and and die with him that he had probably spent the week you know wondering who all these crazy people are that he's been hanging out with thinking what am I going to do now I just wasted three years of my life I wonder if I can get my old job in Galilee back or you know, maybe I can can start at the bottom again and and work my way up. You know, what am I going to do? They stayed in Jerusalem for the feast of the unleavened bread. Now it's it's over, and and they're maybe making plans to go to Galilee, go back home, and and, and the other ten are like, no, we're not going to be fishermen, even though they do fish a little bit more, that, that they're trying to convince Thomas. And all of a sudden, he sees Jesus, the risen Lord. And Jesus turns and, and speaks directly to him. And he says, here I am. Put your finger here. You see my hands? Put out your hand. Put it in my side. Don't disobey don't disbelieve but believe if you're Thomas how do you respond what 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 do you say what do you do I think he got it right one one commentator wrote the most unyielding skeptic has bequeathed to us the most profound confession. Thomas had spent the last week 
telling them, I will never believe unless I see his hands and place my, my hand in his side. Now Jesus is right before him and he, he offers him that proof. Here's my hands. Put your finger in there. You can, you, can, you can see the nail holes go all the way through. Put your hand in my side. Don't believe. Don't disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God, the, the most profound con confession that, where Thomas realizes this is just not the son of a carpenter who had many great teachings and, and we followed and, and we hoped that he would be uh, the new king of Israel. But this is indeed, Jesus is indeed God. He is, he is Lord. He is Master. And then Jesus continues and, 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 and tells him, you have believed because you have seen me. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Two words that just kind of, kind of jump out or, or, or caught my attention in, in reading this. There in verse 26, when Jesus stood among them, He said, Peace. And then there in, in verse 29, he said, Blessed are. I think we can, we can glean a, a bit from, from both of those words um, and, and certainly more, even, even the continuing verses 30 and, and 31 that, that we find, um, we find other, other good words to, to remember and, and, and follow. But when Jesus stood there and he said, he said, shalom, peace, that, that, that greeting, very common uh, even, even today uh, in, in Palestine, in, in Israel, among Jews, meaning, meaning peace. But what does it, when we hear that word peace, what do we, what do we think it means? What, what do we, Consider, <clears throat> you might think of the of the the peace signs that that became common in the in the sixties and the seventies, saying peace. We want peace in Vietnam. We tend to to associate it with just a, a lack of hostility. Jesus gave the disciples. Kind of a, a a little bit, a little hint of 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 the the definition of what he was really meaning. Back in John chapter fourteen, <clears throat> in verse twenty twenty five, this is part of the the upper room discourse as well. He says, "These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things." and will bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you." Jesus is talking about a, a peace that's beyond that of, of the world. He, he, uh, he, he spoke of it more 
in John chapter 16 in verse 33 he said I've said these things to you that in in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world so the peace that 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 Jesus is speaking of is not not just a an absence of of hostilities he said, I've said these things that you might have peace, that in me you might have peace, that you would have, that you would have peace, uh, my peace, not the world's peace. Paul kind of talks about the same thing in, in Philippians chapter, chapter 4. In, starting in verse 4, he says, Rejoice in the, in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about it, anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Jesus said he was going to give them peace. He, he enters into that locked room that first Easter, a, a week before he appeared to, to Thomas, and, and he says to them, peace. And now when he enters a, again a week later in front of, of, with Thomas being present, he says, to them again, peace be with you. They're in a locked door. They want an end to the hostilities with the with the the Jewish leaders, but Jesus is talking something uh, beyond that. He he's talking about the peace that's the fullness of God's blessing. In in Romans, Paul had had written. In, in chapter 5, verse 1, because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. That, that peace with God wasn't, it was the, the end of conflict with, with God. It was the end of, of our hostilities because of our, our rebellion, our sin, that Jesus came to give uh, Peace that was a, a reconciliation and, and, and life from God that is now given or imparted because of, of the peace that He is giving to not just those first disciples but to all disciples. 21st century disciples may have that, that peace with God. One, one writer wrote that, that shalom, the, the the peace on Easter is the complement to it is finished on the cross. That Jesus come and, and, and He announces to the disciples, to the ten there on the evening of Easter, peace. It's the completion of the it is finished. It is the end of, of, of hostilities with God because what what Jesus has, has done. 
it's interesting that that all of the epistles of of Paul, and even First and Second Peter, in part of their in their their inter- introduction, begin with grace and peace to you. I don't know if if I've really pondered that much or thought about it that much. I think we we certainly should of Jesus's death and resurrection brings us peace with God if we believe if we receive him as what Thomas declared my Lord and my God that it brings a a, a peace that God imparts that peace that reconciliation on our life when we receive Jesus as our, our, our Savior. Arthur Pink wrote that peace is the preparation for service, not the reward for service. That we realize that the, the redeemed are at peace with God. When we realize that, we're, we're at peace with God. We have we have received forgiveness of our sin. We have received the, the assurance of resurrection, of, of life after death, of, of, of being in the presence of God. That we've received that, that's what prepares us for service. True, many times we, we may be at peace or we might find peace when, when we have participated in, in any act of service, whether it's like times like these when we've, when we've helped someone who, who has physical needs uh, because of lack of job or they're, they're ill and need, need help, but that that peace really comes before that as preparing us for service knowing that we have been reconciled by Christ's death and, and resurrection. And, and Jesus, it's kind of, I don't know if interesting is the, the best word, um, but it's, it's maybe a, a bit intriguing. He's announcing to the disciples when he sees them after the resurrection Peace be to you. You believe these things that you're seeing and you will have peace. You realize that, that, that God has raised me from the dead, that you no longer have to face death in the manner that you did before, but that my resurrection brings you peace and resurrection with God. Thomas's statement, proclamation, realization of my Lord and my God that he, he makes that profound confession that he, he realizes there in just, just a, a split second, an instance, that, that what the, his ten friends and probably many of the women have been trying to tell him is is actually true and, and then Jesus uh, continues speaking to him and says and, and asks him a question or 
it could be a question or it could be a statement, different translations. Some put a question mark at the end and some just make it a statement. Jesus is asking him, have you believed? Have you believed just because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and, and yet believed. Well, the most exciting part about that is those who have not seen and believed, those who have not were not there in the first century and, and witnessed the risen Christ in a, in a physical sense, that would be who? Us. So Jesus is saying, blessed are those, those in, in the 21st century, those in, in, in Grandview or Itasca or Maypearl or New York City or Los Angeles or wherever they might be, they're blessed because they, they've not seen and yet they've, they've believed. What is, what, is, what is he saying blessed? What does that mean? You know, many times when, when someone teaches or preaches on the Beatitudes where Jesus gives a series of, of, of blessed are the, the, the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are uh, these, you can go back and read that in, in Matthew, that we, we many times hear that it's, that means happy, and, and, and though it can mean that, and, and I guess does to, to some degree, is he only saying happy? Well, you know the answer is no, that there's, there's more to it than that. He's declaring that he or she who has believed has found favor with God has been declared acceptable by God. It's even directing us back to peace. That acceptable and favored by God are those who have seen, have not seen and believed. They have, they have that peace too. They, they are, are even more blessed because they have believed without without seeing it, you know Peter was there when when Jesus is is telling these things to Thomas, and he he later writes in in his first epistle, First Peter one verse eight, he says, "Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible." and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation to your souls." You think Peter remembered that encounter with, with Jesus? He's certainly not the, the, the main focus here, but he's, he's there when Jesus appears to Thomas. And, and, and then later, he's, he's writing to uh, there in First in Peter, just as, as instruction and encouragement, he, he had begun the letter to, uh, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bith Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ, for, 
for sprinkling with his blood, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Saying, may that peace, that reconciliation with God be multiplied. And then he, then he continued there in 8 and he said, you haven't seen him, but you love him. These are the ones Jesus was referring to when he, when he spoke to Thomas. You didn't, Peter says, I know y'all didn't see him, but you still love him. You don't see him now, but you've believed in him. And what? What's the result of that? He said, you're, you're, you rejoice with joy that's inexpressible and filled with glory. That, that inexpressible joy, just let that one bounce around in the gray matter for a bit. It's, it's joy so great. They didn't see these that Peter's writing to, hadn't seen Jesus any, any more than we had, and yet they were, they were filled with that peace and found themselves to be acceptable and favored by God. So what can we glean from this account a week after the first Easter, that, that Resurrection Day? What, what can we glean from the, the events of, of the next Sunday? They're remembering it was Sunday when Jesus was raised from the dead. What, what should we reflect on. Jesus told them, peace be to you. Not just a peace of absence of conflict, not, not a peace. We know that, that many in the room actually went on to be martyred for, for, for Christ, went on to, 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 to die. That tradition holds that Peter was, was crucified upside down that maybe all of them except John died a, a martyr's death. So he's not saying, may there never be any conflict or tribulation in your life, but may you have that peace that is a realization of our reconciliation with God. You know, people are searching for peace and meaning in their lives, and, and I would say they don't find it unless they find Jesus as their Savior, that there's still no peace. If I can just get a better job and make more money and buy a bigger boat or get a better country club membership or season tickets to whatever uh, team I, I want to support, then I'm going to be happy. It's like, well, these 50-yard line seats really aren't that good. I need a suite. Or I need a I need a seat right behind the catcher. Jesus is saying, the only peace that matters is that peace that comes from reconciliation with God. That peace that that means that our our soul and our later resurrected body is going to be in the presence of God for all eternity, and that. Even we who 2,000 years later certainly haven't seen, weren't there to see the resurrected Jesus, 
but that we are we are blessed because we know we have that peace. We're blessed because we know we're acceptable and favored by God, not because we're good people, but because of what Jesus has done and, and, and the salvation that He has brought us, that He has brought us that, that peace and that, and that blessedness, that favoredness, because we're now part of His family children of the King. And how soon did, did Thomas get this? His, his belief may not have been instant. Our, our, our growth, the growth of our belief might not be, uh, be instantly saint of the first degree, but that it, it begins with that initial acceptance and it and it moves through a, a personal knowledge as we get to know him more and more through prayer and, and study of the word it, it becomes marked with service and loyalty and worship you know they begin worshiping on the first day of the week and who wouldn't that's the day that that Jesus overcame death that by God's power he he was raised from the dead, and we remember it each each Sunday as we gather with with other believers. Thomas missed it that first week. Wonder how rough of a week that was. Of you know, he may have been saying, "I'll never believe," but was he was he, was he wondering? He had to be wondering in the back of his mind: Did they really see him? Did this really happen? Why, you know? How are they able to just keep saying this over and over and over? How are they not not stumbling on what they said or getting their story backwards? You know, he he wants to put on a, a macho front and saying, "I'm never going to believe you guys can believe in ghosts all you want, but unless I see him, I'm never going to believe." There had to be a a, a rough week for for Thomas as he went through that. And so what does it what does it lead to that growth in in belief it leads to our service our loyalty but as he said my lord and my god our worship do we do we think of that or is it just a routine i'm going to go up here to to this place this corner and and meet with others and 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 sing but it's, it's truly for the purpose of our worship of Jesus as my Lord and my God, that it's a, a, a personal trust and an and outward profession, but it eventually needs to lead to His Lordship in all of our life. Reflect on that. Is Thomas's words, are they true in my life? Do I consider Jesus my Lord and my God, my only God? You can't serve God and 
and mammon? Is there anything else that I elevate to that? And is He really Lord of my life? The top place in, in my life that, that leads me to service and to worship not just on Sunday, but each and every day of our lives. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. God, I thank You for that peace that You bring us, that res reconciliation that we were sinners, but You sent Your Son to die on the cross in our place, and that by believing in Him, we, we receive that blessedness, that that favor, that acceptability, not for what we've done, but for what Jesus did on the cross. And God, may we too be willing and truthful to say, my Lord and my God, that we would be willing to give you that utmost position of Lordship in our life. It's in the name of the risen Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.